I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 46. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guests today are Dashboard Confessional. The emo pioneers have just announced an unplugged tour of the US for September and are also celebrating 20 years of their breakthrough record. In today's episode, we're talking with Chris Caraba about getting back on the road, his devoted fan base, and being part of the Marvel family. Here we go. Our guest today is the frontman for Dashboard Confessional. After having to cut their best of tour short early last year, they've just announced a brand new tour for North America this September. They're also celebrating 20 years since their breakthrough second record, The Places You Have Come to Fear the Most. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from Dashboard Confessional, Chris Caraba. Good morning, or good evening, sorry, to you. Hey, Simon. How are you, pal? I'm I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Good. It's a lovely, lovely evening here in in Nashville as I speak to you. What is, uh, what's it like in Nashville at the moment with everything that's going on? Are they starting to open back up and um, have shows and, and venues open again? Well, I would love to tell you that we were, look, I think that Nashville was sort of on the leading edge of throwing the doors open in a way that I think was rather brazen. Um so things have been, it's been like nightlife has been going on for a long time, maybe mm-hmm. a dangerously long time. Um, but now that, uh, now real shows are starting to, go, to come back. I haven't really seen any yet, but I've bought tickets for, for some that are coming up. I bought a, a ticket for a Rustin Kelly show that's coming up. So it felt good to buy a ticket after a year. It is very exciting to see, um, our shows, although Australia's handled the pandemic relatively well, we're still a little bit hesitant to to go back to shows because we've had no luck um, with the government. Anyway, it's a much longer story, but it is exciting to see uh, that America is opening up and starting to plan tours like yourself, uh, Dashboard Confessional Unplugged 2021. Uh, congratulations. It is very exciting to see you guys get back on the road. Thanks. I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm really excited. What a year. Yeah. Everybody's been saying so, right? So I sound like a, just another, <laughs> another, uh, another voice adding to the chorus, but, um, I just, as a music fan and just as a, as a, um, somebody that embraces, uh, live music so much, just, you know, as a fan, obviously it's the thing I love and I do it as a job, but just to go as a fan is like, also like this kind of the, the crux of my social experience 
So I'm, I'm really eager for that. It is very exciting. It is, uh, I imagine on both, um, as you said, both ways, both being a musician yourself and being able to get back out there and do what you do, but go back out and enjoy it as a fan is, is just as important. It's, um, although live streams and everything else have been crucial in keeping people entertained in the last year, it doesn't have that same chemistry or electricity, if you will. No. And they're fun. They're fun to do, but you are playing into the void and, uh, staring in, trying not to even look into a lens. <laughs> so there's like, you're, there's, there's just such a disconnection. The thing that I've liked though, Simon is, um, about live streams is that I, I've learned that I like to do them. And um, I don't see any reason to, to not keep doing some and, and connecting with my audience that way, maybe even from, from our own shows one day. I think it definitely, the pandemic definitely helped in um, maybe f- forcing some attitudes on previous way- methods of communicating to kind of be more accepted, which I think live streams definitely still have their place and definitely still um helpful in, as you said, connecting with fans and being able to include people and make sure that if that they can feel a part of it. You know, I hadn't anticipate I had not anticipated the social aspect of it. The chats in the li- out during the live stream or so are such a it's such a social environment to be in. It's lovely. And uh if you'd asked me about doing live streams like before I'd seen that kind of thing for myself during my own, I would have said yeah, maybe I'll do one of those one day, but it just felt like it would feel like I would have thought it would have just felt like filming a TV show or something like late night television only without an audience. Okay. That's a bad (laughs) analogy. (laughs) It would be like playing a rehearsal. I would have worried, but then you're like, you're, you know, I had the, uh, the chat like on a big screen that was facing me. So I could just see, I couldn't really see exactly what was being said. I could see that it was like flying by though. I could see that there people were interacting with each other. That gave me a, sense of connection i feel like uh, dashboard confessional fans have always had a, a deep sense of um connection with the band and with one another they are very um loyal i feel like there's a better word than loyal but I'll, I'll go with that word for the time being um what do you think it is about the band even uh, the band has been continuing but since i feel like day one um with the swiss army romance fans have always been quite dedicated if you will where do you think that has kind of come from i don't know i think about this once in a while and i'm not really sure but you know that uh, i'm fairly open in my songs that's no secret um and i think that um maybe that makes me somewhat of an accessible figure in their mind and then i am accessible so they have the idea maybe i'll be accessible maybe it's like i'm just like a guy you could talk to then when they try, they find out, yeah, he kind of is a guy you can talk to. Um, so on a personal level, you know, even in, say, at shows or in public, just walking around somewhere where the people bump into me, there's that factor. And then there's the other factor of like the, I, I have always felt like I'm a, just a member of the music scene I'm in, not like in a vaulted place beyond the music scene. Yeah. And so maybe I, I, I can't really, I'm afraid to try to put too fine a point on it. Cause I, I just like it and I don't, yeah. I don't need to crack the code. 
<laughs> I don't want more of it. I don't want less of it. I like it just the way it is. So I'm not ever trying to deduce like, what are the factors that make this so? I think it's just okay that it is so. Yeah, that's um, that's a very beautiful way to look at it. A lot of uh, fan um, outpouring or a lot of fan support did come your way last June. And if, if you're uh, not okay to talk about it, please let me know and I'm more than happy to um, move on to something else. That There was a, an, an accident last June where uh, you found yourself with, I believe, broken ribs, uh, broken and uh, fractured or dislocated shoulders um, and, and muscle damage that really, again, as we discussed at the start, everyone last year had a tough year. I think that it's probably fair to say that you might have had a bit of a tougher year. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to win that contest, but I think, <laughs> I think I was definitely, I definitely placed somewhere near the top. I had a rough year. Um, this accident was um, difficult. I, I really have injuries that I'll, I'll be dealing with for the, the rest of my life. And, um, you know, the process to get back to as well as I'll ever get, you know, as better as I'll ever get, um, isn't quite done. Um, and it was hard. It was a hard thing. You know, I, among other things, I broke both my shoulders in many places, um, pulverized one of the bones I had to. And so there I have, I'm kind of rebuilt from metal plates and screws and, um, but also the muscles were lacerated in the accident, the biceps of the deltoids on both sides. And, and so I, I really lost some muscle memory and I, I couldn't play guitar. Even when I got some strength back to hold the guitar, my, my hand no longer knew what to do. I couldn't articulate the wrist the same way. I couldn't, couldn't play the chords, couldn't play the, couldn't fret the notes. Um, and it, it could have been a dark, uh, it could have, there were some dark moments. I'm, I'm not a superhero, um, but it could have just overall been this, this dark period of my life and only that. Um, but I had such an outpouring of support from my fan base and from beyond my fan base, just people that just, maybe even didn't like my music, who knows, but just thought this guy's uh, having a tough go and I'm going to send him in some encouragement. And I mean, I, I got countless uh, messages via, you know, everything from Instagram and TikTok and, and um, Facebook and Twitter, but I also got like real letters from people and I got gifts from people like uh, gifts of encouragement, nothing extravagant. I don't mean that, but I mean, you know, small, I mean, I got a lot of books from people, yeah. um, uh, motivational in some cases, or just books people held dear t and thought I would enjoy in my, in this time. I got, uh, I got, a, a, um, a fine art. I got a lot like, I've got like a new shrine to this, 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 <laughs> this art that people sent me, which was just glorious. I got so much coffee from people because I like coffee a lot. I got so much coffee. That's a good one. I won't have to, and I couldn't drink for a while. I couldn't drink coffee. I wasn't allowed to drink coffee for a while. <laughs> so now I'm now I'm breaking into the the stash, and it's it's been <laughs> fun. But anyway, the kindness was 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 like um, that kind of kindness. It takes effort 
even if it's, you know, something as simple, you might think is, is as simple as just like commenting on a photo with some positive feedback or you can do it kind of thing. You know, it's, it takes some effort. Somebody has to make a choice to, to be there for you. And a lot of people did that. And I, I won't soon forget that. If there's, um, there's an incredible, I think I think it's a video, not a photo. I think there's an incredible video on your Instagram or one of the social media platforms where it shows you, um, I believe, in your drive or in someone's drive and all the kind of letters and fan art are on the wall and it's just a beautiful um, shot to, to see that kind of support in a visual aspect. You know, I came home to that. Um, I came home to a display of... Uh, posters that people made even like a lot of the kids in the neighborhood that I live in came up the hill and put posters along the garage and I that photograph I know the one you're talking about that is of the moment I got home from being in the hospital for weeks Um, that was a moment that was a moment it was that that's the kind of kindness I'm talking about where I was, I was home. I had gone through the, the, the first hard step and I knew I had a lot of hard steps in front of me. The weight of it was starting to set in, even as I, you know, was being driven home from the hospital. That's when the first, the severity of the time, the amount of time, the, um, the reality, the amount of time that this was going to take and, and the, limits of the possibility if things didn't go my way were really uh, front of mind for me as I made that drive home. And I came home to that uh, beautiful display and truly felt, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. I heard that um, in relearning guitar, instead of kind of putting the, I guess, I guess the pressure of, of learning it on yourself that you enlisted one or two friends to help you relearn guitar as well, to kind of have a combination of, um, you know, a little bit of uh, motivation or, or accountability with them. If, it, if, if it will, um, how's it been relearning the guitar? And ha- have you also found that having to relearn something from scratch that you've maybe might be like a bit of a silver lining thing, but that you've learned something or some things that you didn't know before or weren't aware of before? So the end result here or the result in progress, is that that a thing? The result of progress? The progress report (laughs) is this, is that I am currently a better player than I was before the accident. Um, And now I found that I really love studying guitar. Um, I'd always been a student of guitar, but I was one of these people who studied through books and self self-guided study. I'd taken a few lessons here or there, but really nothing, no focus, no real, no real focus on, on lessons in, in, and, um, and now I have, because it was a necessary thing, but I, and I, what an odd thing to come to the instrument without ability, but conceptually understand everything. Um, that was a, that was a really fun process. I mean, it's, it was not fun. It was a grind. It's become a fun process, but yeah. let me tell you, Simon, it was rough. It was like, uh, I couldn't play. I mean, let forget songs. I couldn't play a chord. I could not play a note for a while. Uh, 
then I could string a few minutes together. Um, I remember my friend Fred, who was in Taking Back Sunday. Um, Fred Mascherino is a phenomenal guitar player, and he's also like he's also well. He you know he went to Berkeley School of Music, which is like a huge, uh, which is a very uh, high level education as for a player. Yeah, probably a little bit uncommon for you know rock and roll for somebody to be that well well schooled you know um and i remember he said you know how's you know how are things going and i was like he's like what what do you need i don't need anything fred i'll be okay and you know we don't live very close to each other so you know he i remember him he checked in again as he often did as my all my friends did often how's the playing going i said well you know can't really do it I explained what I've explained to you. And he said, well, how long can you play? I said, well, at this point, I can bend my arms for about three minutes. He goes, well, what if we gave you, what if I gave you a three-minute exercise? And so that's how it started. Um, and his viewpoint was like, you know, if you live down the street, I'd be bringing you a meal every now and again, make sure things are easy, but I can do this via Zoom. Yeah. And, uh, and so it started with these three-minute exercises, and then it broadened into me studying with um, Fred and with my friend Yvette, my friend, and my friend Scott, and 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 uh, as many people as I could study with, and some real, and some like hot, I, I had access. What a beautiful thing! That I wonder if I had taken lessons in the early days. I know the answer. <laughs> if I had taken lessons in the early days, I wouldn't have. I would have had access to whoever was like at the closest music store, and that might have been great, or it might have not been great. Who knows? But you know. To start now and start with some of the best teachers in the world um, has been an, a, a really fortunate thing and a rich experience. It was a grind, and it was like about it was about almost a, like a survival mentality to to overstate it. Uh, but I had that kind of like, well, I got to save this thing. You know, it is how yeah. I interact with the world on some level is like through this instrument. Who am I without it? And I was intent on, on finding my way back to it. And now, and now I am intent on how far I can, I am in, 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 um, encouraged by the idea of how far I can maybe take, take the study of this instrument. It's very exciting and very, um, we're very glad to hear that obviously that you have made a recovery and that it is coming back and that it's obviously something that um, means a lot to you and I think that in turn means a lot to other people as well. Uh, this year, along with getting back on the road, it's a very exciting year. In March, we celebrated the 20th anniversary of uh, the places you places that you've come to fear the most, which um, was a huge record for you guys, a breakthrough record in 2001. When you think back to that, that record, what kind of memories are the first to, to, to jump out at you? The life experiences that I had making that record and, and, um, and touring that record are the first things that come to mind. I mean, I think the, the, the songs, the songs stay with me as sort of like this living interpretation because I play them every night, you know, many of them, I still play every night in front of people. So, so some of them, some of the songs aren't, or my songs aren't always married just to the record. They come from 
there that's more global that's more about like the many 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 shows i i play and my experience with those songs but that was the first record that i made as dashboard that had like a band and not on many songs was there two or four songs there's four songs that have players and and one of those players is is dan bonebreak who is my my lifelong best friend and uh and dan jumped in the van when i was touring on the swiss army romance record he said dude you look like you're losing your mind you know like how many nights in a row can you drive by yourself to play these shows i'm going to come with you and he did he he uh he came with me and i wish he'd stayed the entirety of the band i wish he was still in the band um but i treasure i treasure that probably the most is that that's an example of the of of it you know where like those early early memories of of, of connecting with people yeah. that would become like a, a lifelong bond and dan comes to mind but there's my friend amy who who put the swiss army romance record out then went to vagrant and helped me get signed there at vagrant and worked on that record along with rich from vagrant and john from vagrant and other people at vagrant so amy and i have this like indelible connect uh, she made an indelible mark on my life at that point and 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 we and we have it still this connection so for me it's about um and you know simon this i can't pretend it didn't change my life the success of that record absolutely changed my life it gave me a career it gave me an opportunity to um to make music i i think maybe for the rest of my life um some t- 20 years ago which is which is kind of like Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I still, uh, maybe it's good that I don't operate uh, uh, under with, with uh, maybe it's good that I don't fully accept that I'm not on borrow time <laughs> as a, with this career. Cause I think you, you don't yeah. want to lose the urgency as a, as a writer. Urgency is a, a really important thing, but it's still like a miracle to me that like, I don't have to go work at a different job in order to do the thing I love. I get to do that and that alone. It is, um, Obviously, yes, very fortunate for for anyone who's able to um, to make music and, and be able to do that as their job and their passion for yourself and for Dashboard, I think, as well in particular because a, a lot of bands do have success and are able to to turn that into a career. While you've done that, I feel like there was an, an additional kind of... What's the word? When places started becoming quite big and the track Screaming Infidelities can be quite big as well. That was the early stages of, or you are attributed to being one of the early 
pioneers of of emo in what was its first form. I think now when people think of emo these days, that there's um there's a bit more of like uh, like My Chemical Romance or or that kind of image in your head, if you will. But back then in 2000 and 2001, um, it felt like you were, yeah, one of those pioneers of, of that initial kind of genre. Did it feel like you were doing that at that time, if that makes sense? Did it feel like a big or a change in movement, if you will? It did feel like a movement. It felt like I was part of a movement. It felt like the scene that, that I was from that we all worked hard to build. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll pull the Mike M guys right into that. Uh, they, they were the break. You're right. They were like, they're one of the ones you, you really think of now when you think of emo, but they were in the early days, they were pulling the scene up by their bootstraps too. They were not just these, um, and they're not now, but they weren't, they weren't only just these rock stars. I mean, and I actually, you know, it's funny you should mention it because I was just out with Mikey last uh, couple nights ago and to have these kinds of friendships that last from like when we were playing like university cafeterias during the day, <laughs> that was our show. And like the only people there was, I was watching my cam and they were watching me, um, Everybody else was, I guess, getting lunch. Um, um, but, you know, in those days, we worked really hard as a community, the, the, the scene did. And the people that were in the bands weren't that different than the people that were, we were passing out flyers, we were uploading songs to Napster and LimeWire, we were doing all the things that, the same things that, that the, 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 the people of the scene were doing. So I don't think that I felt like if anything, I felt like I felt real lucky to be an ambassador of, of the scene I cared so much about. And I feel more like that now. So there was this period where I think I was credited and maybe even blamed with some of the way that the scene was going. <laughs> um, I wouldn't use um, the word blamed very quickly. That's a, that's a bit hard. um but okay so in the early days i was definitely i think maybe credited for for some of some of the things that was going were going on with me and my peers and and the scene peers in the scene not just bands um and then you know the way things go with popular with pop culture i guess um is that it it's it spins off like you know Gen, the generation, the spinning, the, the generations it spins off are very quick. You yeah. know, the first, the first couple, they last maybe a number of years, maybe even a decade, who knows, maybe even more. But then the ones that come after, it's like shorter and shorter cycles, but more and more reach. And so the ones that got the attention, I mean, after my cam and after fallout boy and so on and so forth, um, there was a, there was a point in that window. So that would be like, I don't know say, I don't know, say 2010, I don't know, but just picking a year out of a hat where I started to not feel so connected to the identity of the scene, although I felt connected to my audience. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know that I was, and it's, I thought at that point 
that it wouldn't swing back. I thought, oh, I've basically I've had my my fun. I've, I got to be a part of something really special, and now somebody else gets to be a part of something really special. And and maybe that's how it should go. You know, maybe it shouldn't always be just just for you. But you know, what's lovely is it's come back. It it came back late in the twenty teens. You know, it came back where, um, and it came back to like pre-fame feeling where it was like, Oh, I'm, I'm really, really part of this again. And that's good. That's a nice sunset (laughs) for the story. (laughs) It's very exciting that you can, uh, as we've discussed it, we're discussing 20 year anniversaries. It's still exciting that you can kind of get that feeling of, um, not even the pre-fame part, but just that connection to the scene or, or to what you've been doing for, for a while. It's, um, well, it's obviously a sign that it's, it's something that you love with um, you mentioning pop culture before we've recently been talking to some guests about their uh, connections with pop culture and, and their contributions. One thing I wanted to very quickly touch on if, if it's all right was uh, vindicated and, and Spider-Man two, because I think a lot of people in the scene saw dashboard as, as, as we said, a pioneer, but um then when it was announced and there's a music video with yourself and then Spider-Man swinging by you, I think in, in one, um, like cut off it, what was that next stage kind of like in, in being able to contribute to that and then find yourself playing the end credits of a Spider-Man film? Well, it was, it was a step away from the heart of the thing, the heart of the whole thing. But I came by it, honestly. I I really wasn't looking for, I'm not going to pretend I wasn't looking for success. But one thing I wasn't ever really looking for was fame. Mm -hmm. I I don't really love celebrity. Um, I have some friends that are really, really famous and and it suits, like it suits their temperament. Not that, not in any kind of ego maniac way, but they're just like, they would have been, they would have been the special person in any field. Yeah. And so, sure, it's just an, it's just an outgrowth of that. Uh, I'm just, I've always felt like I, I want to be part of the thing. I don't want to be pushed away from the thing, even if that means pushed up and, and, and held in some kind of high, high regard. Yeah. I just feel a little, but I did want to look I wanted people to hear my songs and I've always looked at like radio, which I I haven't had much success at radio. All of our, my successes have come from, um, a sort of windier path. Um, I, I've always looked at radio or those, those moments like vindicated being on the Spider-Man two soundtrack or the trailer or in the movie, excuse me. Um, as like an invitation for people like maybe, maybe like you're given somebody who hasn't heard you before a chance to just like maybe discover what you have to say. And maybe, maybe that's worthwhile. Um, but that I came by it, honestly, Simon, my, um, and through like the punk rock roots that I'm from the, the person who was the head of music for Sony pictures was a woman named, is was her name is Leo Leo Volick, and at the time she was the president of music for Sony Pictures, and she's a punk rocker. 
I mean, she did, <laughs> she came up as the front of house mixer for Richard Hell, you know, mixing yeah, CBGBs right. for these le- this legend, this punk rock legend from the States. Um, and she thought what I was doing was pretty punk, like to her calculation of punk. And so the company I was in didn't make a whole lot of sense for this kind of lack comparative lack of success. You know, you have room five and audio slave and stuff, you know, and then like the dashboard kind of like, doesn't really quite equate, but, uh, but somehow they picked, they picked my song and they didn't just pick it to be, uh, like on this, you know, it wasn't really a soundtrack. It was like, you know, this, whatever they were, the, there weren't many songs that, that I remember in the movie. Um, but it was a soundtrack for the movie. Right. Yeah. And I was happy enough to be on that, especially because they let me come see the movie before it was out, before it was even finished at like at Sony pictures. And that was like a huge deal. I've grown up with Marvel, um, big, massive fan, like have a local, almost encyclopedic knowledge of, of like Marvel history. And, um, that was it. Like that was a highlight. This yeah. is before they picked the single. And then they picked my single. And then I saw it like on TV one day, like at the ad. And then I saw the ad <laughs> in the movie theater, the trailer. And it's like my song in there. In any movie, right? But then especially like this blockbuster film that's rolling out. That was like the movie of the decade of that, at that moment. Yeah. I can't really describe it. But I will say, um, I liked it. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that's very fair, especially, well, as you said, it's, it's, you're not doing it for fame, but having the, the exposure, the invitation, if you will, and then um, being able to pair that with your love of Marvel and, and everything else, I can imagine it was just an absolutely, I, I can't even imagine, sorry, um, what it must have kind of felt like to, to have that happen and to see it in front of your eyes on the screen. And I also got to be like adopted into the Marvel family. Like I still get invited to like premieres and I still get to go like by the headquarters at Marvel when I'm in New York, they have me pop in to do just like visits and I get stacks of comic books all every month. And yeah, it's just been this glorious (laughs) for, for me, it's like a, there are other kinds of wins, but this was a, this was a win. I would say that is a very, very solid win. (laughs) Um, Chris, would you be happy to talk about the playlist that you sent through? Let's talk about some music, yeah. One or two of the tracks I wanted to talk about, I know you just spoke about some of your friends that you've made through the industry. We uh, were lucky... We, we do two episodes a week. We did an interview yesterday with Adam Juritz of Counting Crows, who does make an appearance. I, did you? Uh, he was lovely. He said that he'd been texting you yesterday morning um, or yesterday evening, depending on the time difference. Um, and we mentioned that we were chatting to you and he said, one, absolutely lovely, one of the loveliest people that you meet. Um, but he, two, he was telling us about the... I think that that there's a bit of a friendship group between yourself, between Adam and Dave from Gang of Youths in where you're sharing new music. How did that friendship kind of come to be? Because it's not, 
something that I would have put together in my mind, but now that I'm aware of it, it sounds it sounds like a friendship group everyone wants to kind of be a part of. <laughs> it's a it's a good group. It's a it's a it's a lovely group to be a part of. I'm glad I'm a part of it. Um, well, Adam and I have been friends for some time. You know, I, I really I love Adam's music. I love the Count of Crows. Um, and County Crows, I, I give a lot of credit to for, because um, I was like, at that point in my life, when when their first two records came out, I was I was heavily down the like hardcore and post-hardcore road. And so to find a record that had a more conventional uh, approach sonically, caught me as, as deeply as these counterculture uh, musicians that I was obsessing over at the time was a, sh- was a real surprise to me. Um, and, yeah. and, um, and it cut deep. And I think I was just pretty vocal about, about being a, a fan of, of County Crows um, when I would be in interviews and uh, and whatnot early on in the early days, and sometimes people would be surprised because at that point we were really associated with pretty much punk rock and only punk rock. But I think that that makes a lot of sense in hindsight to people, you know? Oh yeah, sure. Obviously this kid listens to melody. And, and because he'd seen that I was talking about him, he, he was aware of us. And at some point, um, he kind of reached out and said that he like had liked my music, liked all my records. I think I had three out at the time and he was kind of like, I remember the first time we talked, he was, you know, I, I was trying really hard not to be gushing about every (laughs) word he's ever written. He wasn't trying as hard to not be that. (laughs) And I was like, found myself in this weird role reversal where I was like, how can he know? that's like a deep cut on that record three records ago or whatever it was. How could he know all that detail? And, and, uh, we, we formed a fast friendship over, over, um, our love of music, a love of poetry and art and, and, um, and some mutual admiration. And so we've worked on things musically. We've toured together, not as dashboard and counting crows. I've gone out to enforce with, with counting crows, but never as dashboard, but we've done collaborations and, um, and he was at my house. He had come to Nashville to visit. Um, and I put on a Gang of Youths record. I was like raving and raving, raving about Gang of Youths. And he said, you know, I know Dave. And, well, this is actually what he said. <laughs> I was playing the music and I'm going off about these guys, how they're geniuses, they're next level, they're poets. They're like, uh, or their their musical minds are like so rich, and and I'm just I'm waxing poetic. Meanwhile, he's texting Dave, unbeknownst to me, like what I'm saying. <laughs> and then he says, and he like the, the you know the lift the needle, and he says, this is what Dave has to say about your music. And I'm like, Shh, I was half embarrassed and half like elated, you know. And uh, we had a good laugh about it as things. As some time went by, we found an opportunity all to get together, the three of us, in New York. And we all stayed with Adam for, for a little while and, and, and kind of like built a 
a great friendship. And it's the kind of friendship I, I really, I really treasure because we keep up on each other. We keep up with each other. We make sh- like I was in London and the, the gang of the skies came, came to see me play just this small show I was playing. And, um, you know, we just, it's good to have your people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, um, the playlist includes another Australian band, Slowly, Slowly. Uh, how did you come across this Australian band and, and, and what does this song, why does it stand out to you? How did I come across Slowly, Slowly? I feel like it was probably like what, 2018, 19, they were making like a big noise in that underground scene. And probably like, I'm not actually so educated on how big they were at that time there in Australia, but here it was a count. It was like a counterculture moment. Yeah. And, um, I know, I think it was about 2018 or 19 that a friend of mine just said, like, sent me, sent me the song, the, the, the song dinosaurs. And, uh, and I like lost my mind. I, it was one of these moments where you're like, how is, how is this kid hitting? It had been maybe 20 years since I was hit in that same place by somebody. How right. is he getting there? I couldn't figure it out. I say, he, I don't, I, 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 I've, I only know Ben. I've only, and I, he's a lovely, lovely guy, but I didn't know him at the time. I'm thinking to myself, how's this writer getting? And, and it, and the more I heard, I was like this, some people are just tapped into an energy and whatever that, whatever that, uh, wavelength he's, he's in, it just cuts right through me deeply. And they are insanely good. So like they're writing these songs that are, that are, um, emotionally riveting. They move you. Right. And, 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 but they don't sacrifice the musicality. They don't use the musicality manipulatively to move you. The sentiment is there, whether you're moved or not, they're just, they're delivering their moment. It hits me in such a way that I am, I am so deeply moved. But the fact that I can keep listening, this is like a thing where it's like, sometimes that can happen. You're so deeply moved, but there's, it's not richer than that because the musicality maybe is just doesn't, doesn't have as many layers. They just have so many layers. Yeah. And they keep, they keep on, they keep on being awesome with the more music they, <laughs> they put out. And sometimes don't you worry about that? Sometimes when you're like really knocked out by somebody's first record, you're like, well, that's that. I can't, I don't know that it was their first record, but the first you know, time you hear a band's record, you're like, well, this is the one, right? But every time they release more music, I'm like, that's it. That's the one now. Yeah. They've continued to just kind of, um, uh, what is it like? 
what is it called? I'm, I'm, I'm yet to see a, a clanger, if you will, um, from the band. <laughs> uh, the last one I wanted to talk about was the Cure Pictures of You. Um, what does this song mean to you or does it have any special memories that you kind of hold dear? Hmm. I mean, so many. This is a, so the Cure... The cure for me are, I think that that um, most people probably would assume, probably rightly so, that for most people in my scene, like the pinnacle inspiration in the early days was somebody like Morrissey and the Smiths. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was the cure. The, the, their, their melodies, their, their lyrics, their patience with this unfolding of, of like a melodical phrase, a melodic phrase for, I mean, like, you know, a th- two minute intro, you know, to put you all the way out, out deep into sea before they even hit you with the real wave. Um, and pictures of you, um, I have this very specific memory. I was in my van in the early days of, of dashboard and I was driving across like the flat, the flatlands of, of the American Southwest. And, um, and it's just this like sea of never ending same. And like, it just, you know, it, there's not another car to be seen for, for miles and miles. And, you know, you can drift a little bit. It's not, I don't advise this for the driver, but you drift, your mind drifts off in that kind of moment. And, and I think of that moment as, cause I had this song on, I think of this moment often when I hear this song, the, the, the clarity with which I knew that, I could go really far away in my life from my life and with my life. I could go on a kind of boundless adventure. And always be able to take the things that were important to me with me. If I made, made that, a made, if I made that a purpose, and there's that line, you know, just, it's so artfully simple. I've been staring so long at these pictures of you that I almost believe that they're real. And and I love that. I love that feeling more than I can describe. To love someone so deeply that you can have, you can hold two ideas in your head at the same time. One, I can't believe I'm able to love someone like this. And another, I have to be away from, I have to be away, but I can carry them with me. Yeah. 
So I guess, you know, music for me, music speaks to me in a, on a, for everyone, I'm, I'm sure. Um, there's, there's the, the best, the best songs are the ones that you have a lot of new life experiences with and you can draw all the way. You can draw that line all the way back to everyone and connect them all. It's a rare song. Pictures of you is one of those songs. I feel like the cure get, um, these days, maybe not so much in the, in when they were releasing some of these bigger songs that they're and musically and the musicality of them are fantastic, but I feel like the lyrics sometimes kind of get lost. People think of them as like, um, bops. I realize that also people listening to the podcast can't see me doing what I was just doing. So it doesn't make sense. Um, but, uh, that sometimes their lyrics are just absolutely incredible in terms of the, the image that they paint or the, the, the feeling kind of, as you said, like the duality of those two things that you might not pick up on, on the first listen. It is, um, yeah, it's an incredible pick. I, I very much enjoy <laughs> actually a number of the picks. Um, incredible as well. Chris, uh, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate you being on the podcast and, uh, congratulations on the 20 year anniversary of places and on the, the tour that is coming out in September, um, in the U S throughout November, which we'll put in the show notes for the podcast. Thank you, Simon. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Chris Caraba for his time. The Dashboard Confessional Unplugged Tour takes place this September in North America and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy a ticket to one of their shows. We also want to give a huge shout out to Nick at Unified Music Group for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of Chris's picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.